Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. We like to call it the hump day edition of Ball Don't Lie, uh, but also time for midweek movie music. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. Texas basketball taking an Old Testament, old biblical style butt whipping to the hands of K-State in the purple kryptonite. We'll get into it. We'll talk about it. Also, the Aggies on the verge reportedly of hiring a new OC. Uh, there's some baggage there. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later on here in the 3 o'clock. we got the Flex at 345 NFL playoff scenarios. They are wild, wacky, and crazy. We'll sort it all out for you and sift through the detritus, if you will, coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock NFL news, notes, and nuggets as well. Top of the 4, top of the 6 o'clock. we got two off the records for you coming up at 445 and 545, so we're jam-packed. Also, a little NBA we got to talk about. History was made earlier this week by Donovan Mitchell scoring 71 points. we got to break that down and start talking about the NBA. We'll do that as well coming up in the 6 o'clock. Before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. He was a second-round pick for the Montreal Expos, but a first-round pick for the Austin Radio Network. He originally committed to the University of Texas, but decided to forego the 40 acres and chase his dream in the cheese. Pippin ain't easy, but for him it's a breeze. Mike Hardball Hard. What's going on, brother? How you doing? What it do, what it do. You Like you said, it's a hump day edition. And I can't wait. We're, that means that we're headed downhill, and I'm excited for the weekend. But let's talk about my boy that sits across from me every single day. He hails from H-Town with the get down. He's a lifetime Longhorn and a proud car-carrying member of DBU. Derek Johnson said he was the best cover corner he had ever seen. He's a former NFL DB that still has that passion for film study, but he's not a fan of white condiments. But he is a fan of you, the listeners. He is my man and yours, Rod Babel. I appreciate the intro as always. Let's not waste any time introducing the real MVP. He's the idealionaire, one of the hard, hardest working members of the air and family. He's got a hustler spirit, period. We don't know what he's paid. We do know that he's underpaid. Patrick Davis. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm doing all right after uh, yeah. you know sitting through some things last night. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that was hard to watch. That was hard. He and says, long. sitting through some things. Yeah. Through some things. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, when I used to get, you know, butt whippings from mom, uh, most of them came from mom. Now I look back about it. Dad yeah. was more just, dad just threatened you yeah. most of the time. Dad didn't break it out. But every now and then I got it from dad, too. You would pray that the butt whipping would be quick. That's your only thing. He's like, hey, can y'all make it quick? And can you aim? You know, right? Yeah, get your get your don't range right. On the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your range Upper right. back and stuff like that. No, <laughs> yeah, the lower yeah. leg. No, aim it right. All right. Uh, but yeah, you want that butt whipping to be quick. Uh, it did not seem like that. It felt. It did feel like it was a long butt whipping that the Longhorns <laughs> yeah. received. Oh, it, and it was yeah. at home. Well, yeah. and too, I'm working, so there's a certain point Ooh. when when losing is inevitable that I'm like. Man, I got places to be, things to do, and I'm just Sif Hal again. All right, yeah. oh, let's man. go watch some more free throws. Oh, yeah. And they, by the way, they didn't miss many free throws. Either. They only missed, I think, they two, didn't miss much two, anything. They didn't miss much of anything. Uh, all right, uh, you're the heartbeat of this thing. You're the pulse of it. So please do hit us up on the Specs text line. The best way to do it: five one two three three seven three seven seven six. You also can hit me up via Twitter. Um, my man, uh, my man, Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. All right, let's not waste any time. Um, Texas losing 116 to 103. Can I just give you a few historical nuggets about this butt whipping to kind of put well, it into I, I can tell context you that, and perspective? I can tell you that when Craig Way can't remember the last time you got beat that bad, <laughs> it's not a good sign. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we had, yeah I mean, it was just uh, – so here's just a, a couple of them. It's a few. It's not all of them. 
Um, so K-State putting 116 points on a number six Texas. They were unranked. And by the way, there was a debate whether they should be unranked. They were they were a 12-1 team. So yeah. uh, the mm. argument is they probably should have been ranked. But they and were you gave un- the Ken Palm information yesterday yeah. that all 10 of the teams were the top 10. Yeah. So you probably should have had them in the rankings. They'll be ranked. Oh, for in, sure. In the next rank is coming up. <laughs> thanks to that Texas bump, that Bevo bump, if you will. That there happens a lot. Yep. Uh, but it was the most points by an unranked team in a road win against an AP top 10 team in the pole era, which goes back to 1948-49. Uh, it, was the, uh, it was basically the most points allowed in regulation uh, by Texas basketball uh, since 1991, they allowed, uh, I think, Georgia, some Georgia Tech, I believe, allowed 120 uh, in Austin then. Yep. It was the, uh, the only top 10 ranked team in Division I college hoops since 2010-2011 season to allow more than 115 points to an unranked team uh, for Texas, third time allowing 100-plus points and uh, it is at home since 1980, which is basically as long as I've been alive. Uh, first time Texas has allowed 100-plus in over a decade. Uh, the 116 points by K-State tied a Big 12 record uh, set. <laughs> uh, I think that was uh, set in a game between A&M and um, Baylor, actually, in 2008. That went to five overtimes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the, uh, <laughs> And it was the most points by an unranked team, um, Actually, you know what? I'll say that stat. That's a it's a totally different stat. It has nothing to do with that. But it was the most points combined in regulation uh, for a Big Twelve conference game. Um, which the previous record was 199 points. They had a 219 points. So a lot of points scored on both ends. And the 219 uh, total points, third most ever scored in a Big Twelve conference game. The only games outranking it involve multiple overtimes. Also, the most points by an unranked team scored over a top 10 team since Loyola Marymount lost to number 10 LSU in 1990. So, a lot of historical mm-hmm. uh, you know, feats accomplished last night. But obviously, if you're Longhorns, you want to be on the other end of that. And you were on the, uh, the loser's end of a lot of those historical feats. Yeah, there was a lot that was happening during that game. And, and a, lot, a lot of it had to do with scoring, obviously. And the lack of defense. When I was watching this game last night, there's a time and a place where you got to understand that you just don't have it and the other team does. Well, it's hard for me to say that Texas didn't have it. They scored over 100 points. They're doggone selves. They did. The problem is they weren't being able to stop and get those turnovers that we talk about every single time. That When we left the air yesterday, Rod, we previewed this game. I said two names. Mm-hmm. I said Johnson, Keontae, yeah, and the point guard. I told I, those were the two names that I said that Texas has to make sure that they pay a lot of Marquise attention. Noel? Yeah, Noel, Marquise Noel, yeah. number what yeah. was he? Number one. What he had thirty six. Yeah, he played the best basketball game that he could possibly play. It was unbelievable. And Patrick and, I, and he had nine assists and one turnover yeah. in the game. So he, he was balling at an all-time high. 12 of 12 from the free throw line, 6 of 10 from three, and 9 of 15 from the floor completely. And Patrick and I had talked about this, and I believe you were, you were, you were here that time too when we were talking about the point guards for Texas A&M Commerce. And everybody's going to say, what? Texas A&M Commerce. We were talking about how quick they were with the change of direction. 
And those were two guys that for Texas A&M Commerce that we hadn't seen that in this league in a long time where they could change directions. Well, Texas doesn't have guys in their lineup that can change directions that fast. And they, they, they don't have it offensively, and they definitely don't have it defensively. The other problem that I kept talking about was where was the rim protection? Because we always talk about where they're getting their points from. Last night, they got a bunch. Of, they got 42 points in the paint. They got 29 dunks or layups and, and shot attempts. Basically, almost, you're talking about like a third of their, so like half of their shot attempts. Right. Were, we're in the paint were, or it, a dunk. Where dunks or layups. Were dunks, yes. Know, or attempts. And yeah. that's the thing that was really frustrating for me is because they would pull everybody out and then get the backdoor cuts. They were playing the two-man game where they had two where you could pick and roll from either side, how, whatever direction you wanted to go. But the thing that's bothering me the most is this Texas used to be a defensive team. Now, we wanted them to score points. We wanted them to get up and down. We thought that was great. But now they're to the point where they're not stopping anybody. Yeah, that's I mean, the frustrating well, part. And this, is, and this goes to, I think, what we've seen with Commerce and now – uh, we saw it with Oklahoma, and we definitely saw it with K-State, was the game planning for what you were going to face offensively is Texas is just trying to do what Texas does. And teams know how to exploit that. And if you're not game planning of, hey, man, look, they're really quick. They're going to be trying to make these cuts on us. They're running a lot of stuff Baylor did because the coach came from Baylor and was on Scott Drew's staff for, what, 19 years? Mm-hmm. So it's like they're going to be doing a lot. a lot of these little stuff and a lot of bad cuts. So, hey, man, if Christian Bishop, if you're on a guy who doesn't really shoot threes and he's standing out at the three-point line – Make him hit one or two of us on us before you really go out there. Because what you're doing is you're walking out there, then you're turning your back to him, yep. and then he cuts behind you, and by the time you feel him behind you, yeah. you can't move fast enough to stop him, and he's got a point. He's got two points. And you just saw it over and over, and it wasn't just Christian. I mean, it was everybody was allowing those, where they basically stand off a guy who's not a good three-point shooter, and then as soon as they felt him behind them, it's too late because you're stationary, and they're running full speed at the basket, and then they hit some good passes. but And then it, you throw in with the, these smaller guards and with really quick guards, one of the problems is it's very hard to play up on them. So if you want to stop passing and stop those those cuts, we saw it, uh, again, I can't remember which game earlier this year, but there was a big man who could pass the ball earlier this year. And the way you stop that is basically coming out on the guy as tight as you can because mm. he can't get around you and he can't see around you, can't throw the pass. He can't make those little bullet passes anymore. Now, if you do that to a 5'8 guard who's probably 5'6, dude did not look 5'8, if you do that, he's going to, he can get around you. And, get around and you. now you're chasing him. You got to collapse off it. He can make a pass. So it becomes way, really hard with really quick guards, but you have to find a way to get further up on him. And as Hart said, you have to get rim protection. And that's something that this team is sorely missing. And you'd hope you can you can teach Dylan Mill, Dylan Mitchell and Dylan DeSue a little bit better of how to do it because they have the athleticism to recover a little bit and get those without fouling. But you need to get them in a position and and change up your defense when you're getting smoked like that. Go, hey man, we got to change up our defense to basically keep somebody closer to the paint because they keep doing it. And yes, if they're going to shoot sixty percent and they have twenty percent three point shooters shooting eighty percent, ninety percent. You're gonna lose games like that. That that is just on a you know you had a bad day, but you would have won with them shooting that if you had protected the paint. Or just, yeah. just or yeah, made some stops. If you just made more stops. Well, that's the thing is like if you protect still the, scored enough points. Yeah, <laughs> and it's way easier to score off a miss, which is how K State got a huge lead early. 
is they were able to rebound the ball and be back down the court because they would send one guy for a rebound and get the rebound and have three guys running the court already, and Texas was trying to rebound two or three guys and not getting them. So you're getting out-rebounded, which then leads to easy, easy points on the other end, and that's how they got that huge advantage early in the game. And then you're just fighting uphill for the rest of the game. And if they're shooting like that, man, you get it down to like 12, and then they just hit a ridiculous three-pointer that wasn't even open. You're like, what, what do you want us to do? They're going to hit those. Yeah, yeah. K-State up 58-40 at halftime. Uh, and Texas actually woke up in the second half. They they had one point, they I believe, 17. They had 17 of their first 21 shots in the second half. They had 11 straight shots they hit, made a run, cut it to eight. Um, Patrick's talking about. So they you know, they made it interesting, but uh man, K State never cooled off. And you just wait you're waiting just for a team to cool off. You figure, oh man, they had a hot first half yeah. or you know, they just had, were unbelievably hot for a run or two. That was not the case for K State and so I, I'm hoping that it was just a perfect storm it of was. K State having arguably their best game. I mean, I looked up another say K State scored hundred and sixteen points on eighty two possessions. That was good for 141.4 offensive efficiency rating. Uh, that's the highest offensive rating Texas has ever allowed in the Ken Palm era. Right. Yeah. Like it was. Like, so I'm hoping it was just it was the all time. Yeah. yeah. Kind of an, an all time hot streak by K State that just lasted the whole damn game and the lapses you guys are talking about defensively from Texas. Offensively, there really aren't any complaints. Hell, Tyrese Hunter, Marcus Carr, so Jabari Rice combined for what seventy two points in that game for you. Well, remember I mean, yesterday you were saying you were like. I'm not really worried about Tyrese Hunter. He's about to get it going He'll soon turn enough. It around, yeah. He'll turn it around and bam, he went yeah. out there and got 29 last night. Yeah, and Nash. I mean, and let's be, there's no complaints really about the offense in the second half. The first half offense was not good. First half, Se- second half up. offense was much better. Uh, but yeah, the first half offense was again dribbling around. <sighs> and then, I mean, they, they at the end of the game, TC or K State went into that, uh, that zone. Yeah. And now you're like, man, we're trying to get quick shots up. We're and we're dribbling around exactly. again. you got to be ready to play for that. I, so this is one of those things where you can go, look, man, this is just one of those games. You can't let it get you down. But, man, did it tell us a lot of things we got to work on. Being eight, being 18 down at halftime really changed the way you could come out and play. Because you won the second half. You outscored them 63-58 to 58 yeah. in the second half. Being down 18 and trying to scramble to get back, and it was – more of what we talked about, and we said it yesterday, Rob, before we left. I said, watch how the offense goes stagnant yeah, when did. they start dribbling yeah. around the perimeter because everybody starts to watch. Everybody gets hypnotized. Everybody was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. Yeah. So yeah. you still got to make sure that you go out there and play the defensive side of the ball. The effort has to be different, and people got to understand that for you to be able to play in a Final Four and play for a national championship, you have to be able to get stops. Get and stops, when they man. tried to get stops, it wasn't working because they were backdoor cutting, they were penetrating, kicking to the outside, hitting the perimeter jumper, hitting the threes. I mean, it was a clinic on how to play basketball. And those are the things that we've been talking about. It's like being able to move without the basketball is an art. You have to be able to do so. 
And it's like they everybody need to, be in shape wa- to do it too. They, right. Yeah. That's why Steph Curry, when you watch yeah, you Steph Curry, he's running around the Especially entire time. Especially if you're like Texas and you have that defensive intensity. Well, you, usually you do. Normally on you one do. End, yeah, <laughs> normally yeah, you yeah. do on one end. And yeah. then you're talking about uh, a lot of movement on the other end. But it was to, to talk about how you said they Texas won the second half. To your point, it was just a fifth. Shout out to my man Christian Corona uh, via Twitter. Fifth, uh, fifth time since 2010 that both teams had 50-plus percent uh, field goal percentage with a minimum of 50 attempts, 40-plus uh, percent from three-point range, and 80-plus percent from free throw uh, from the free-throw line. So Texas— Yeah, that's wild. When you look at it, it's issue, like it's it a just, wild game. Yeah, you got to get something. And you just got down You got down too much in the first half. Yeah. 18, down 18, like you said, that just zapped the life out of them. Yeah, and then I mean, we also, Christian Bishop gets injured. Yep. On, you know, he's yep, going to the basket. He's trying to finish and just does not protect himself at all hitting that ground. He should have dunked on that dude and tried to avoid I, the dunk. I watched it like three times. I kept bringing it back, and I was yeah. like, dude, just dunk on him. I, I so really, what if you get I a really charge? didn't think he was going to – I don't think he thought that guy was going to stand pat under the basket. Right. He thought he was like, going to was Well, because he's not taking a charge. He was too deep in. He's he was way under, under, like, there's yeah, a reason why there's that yeah, zone yeah. is because you can hurt players by getting underneath them under the basket. So normally players don't do it because you're like, oh, no, I'll be out far enough in front that you know you're going to try. But he was basically underneath the basket, and you don't expect – you expect the guy to go up for it with you. You don't expect him to stand there and be like, I'll take a charge way inside way the inside, yeah, when Both feet fully yeah. inside, and I just expect – I think he thought he was going to move or do something, and when he didn't, he tried to adjust late, and it, it yeah. didn't end well. I know Dylan DeSue was still wrapped up. His knee was still had one of the whatever – those high tech things they got on him. Yeah. So you're looking over there, and Bishop's got his back wrapped, and Dylan sees <laughs> guy's knee. And you're like, Timmy Allen gets four fouls. You're like, dude, we don't have. I mean, this this Timmy side Marcus, is a problem. Yes, Timmy yeah. Marcus no. and Tyrese all have four fouls. Oh by yeah, the they end started of, fouling at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's frustration fouls. But you're like, Brock Cunningham was the guy at the end. You're like, well, and he ended up getting the four fouls. But it no, was, he ended up with three. Arterio Morris didn't even play that many minutes, and he fouled out. But yeah, that was. That was <laughs> I know he was fouling at the yeah, end because but he played ten minutes, bro. Yeah, ten. <laughs> no, it's um obviously the Longhorns will bounce back from this, but the concern is the Big Twelve is the best basketball conference in the country. A lot of good teams, and there may or may not be somewhat of a blueprint on how to attack Texas's. You know, oh, real, there's definitely a really blueprint until defense. you yeah. can start to figure that exactly. out and stop teams from doing it. Then they're going to be coming at you, but yeah, I mean, and I'll just say this: if you're under six foot at K State, I don't like you. All them <laughs> kids, football, basketball, anyone under six foot at K State <laughs> seems to like whooping on the Longhorns. Yeah, right? they love it. Well, because what we talk about every single they week, it, it's man. like when you get a chance to be showcased. This was the eight o'clock game; everybody was tuning in again, and you get that opportunity to go out. Now we all know that was a rare occasion where a team can come in here and shoot that well. Either first half or second half. That's what I'm saying. Like, that never happens. And that's what I was saying at the house. I was like, there's no way they would be able to shoot this again in the second half. Well, you were, I was right. They shot 61% in the first half. 
They only shot 57% in the second yeah. half. They dropped off a little like, bit. They, they did. They cooled so off. So technically you were right. <laughs> Our technicality, <laughs> I was correct. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. And so the Big 12, I mean, there's no, there's no left. You got 17 games, and they're all going to be basically. Like that this, every this, time. Like, yeah, these kind of opponents. And you just got to figure out a way to win these games. Uh, you look at. 93.9% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't miss anything yeah. hardly last No, and I, there's like one guy, I think, if you take him out of the game, they shoot. like it, There's one guy who shot poorly in that game. One. You're and, correct. And it was every he time was, he got the ball, you're like, shoot, shoot, you're the only it, one. It was Masood. <laughs> it was Masood. Yeah, Masood was the only dude. Masood was not playing well. Everyone else on that team was. So every time he got the ball, you're like, go for it. Yeah, jack it up. Jack it up. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about it again, of course. But the Longhorns, they have a you know it is a Herculean task uh, to try to hold up in this Big Twelve conference. We, yeah, and, and let's week. not say Oklahoma State started off slow, playing yeah. great now, playing yeah. great basketball now. Yeah, that's yeah. right when they so. get ready to play Texas. Oh, yeah, that's and not perfect, only that, it's timing. Headed into Big Twelve play, get uh, yourself ready. Man, it's a goal, Headed man. into Big Twelve. I think play. Fran Fraschilla was the one that was like, we used to call this stretch. He's like, we used to call it the, the rough stretch of the schedule. He's like, the Big Twelve is just. Your entire conference play is that. They used to have like, oh, we're playing like three games in a row, four games in a row. They're pretty tough. You're like, no, that's Big 12. Every single game you're going to play in Big 12 is a big game and a tough game. Uh, You looked at uh, ESPN's Basketball Power Index, the the 10 – Toughest remaining schedules in college basketball. All Big Twelve teams ranked because they got as, as the top ten yeah. toughest schedules. Because they all got to play each other. Uh, you look at net rankings. Uh, every team is inside the top fifty-two. You got eight that are inside the top thirty-six. And I believe Ken Palm rankings. Uh, all the Big Twelve teams are in the top forty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just brutal. Yeah, and they just beat <laughs> and, and brutal man. and just. So everyone's aware the game is at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning again, and Oklahoma State just beat West Virginia uh, 67 to 60. And West Virginia was the team that took K State to overtime. They took K State to overtime, and they had to beat them in game one of yeah. the Big 12. I know. It's, it, it, <laughs> hey, it buckle is. up, baby. Yeah. Put a chin strap no, it's on. It's going to be really fun to watch, yeah. but it's going to be scary as hell. Cause, um, For sure. I mean, you're because if you're, you're Texas, I mean, you know you're good enough to potentially even win the Big Twelve. But considering how competitive it is, man, if you you know go on a losing streak or just a couple of key injuries here or there, let me knock on some wood, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and you can be really SOL in the Big Twelve. Um, all right, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into the Aggies. Big news coming out of Aggie Land. Reportedly, Jimbo Fisher is going to swallow his pride. Come on, man, and hire himself an OC and a play caller. Leads us to a conversation about Texas. We'll talk about. All that Ooh. and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to the horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie. It is a hump day edition of Ball Don't Lie. But more importantly, 
Midweek Movie Music Edition of Ball Don't Lie. That is when my man Patrick the Idillionaire takes uh, selections from a soundtrack of a movie that inspired him plays those songs for us on uh, Midweek Movie Music. And based on those selections, we're supposed to guess exactly what movie inspired Midweek Movie Music. I can see the wheels turning hard. You got some? I thought I did, but I, I, I'm going to have to wait till the very next song because... I feel like a woman's stripping in this scene, but I could be wrong. It could just be I'm thinking about women stripping, which it, also happens like 50% of the time. So I was like, okay, we're going strip tees, varsity blues. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know if for some reason a woman's stripping popped into my head when I heard something. But I we be, are the Millers. That, 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 could be, that could be for a number of reasons that have nothing to do with the actual movies. I, I admit that. I uh, love it. All right, so I I really don't have any idea other than strip, I don't stripping women, but so that could be any movie too. So yeah. all right, Patrick, this is you know what? No, we'll, we'll wait on the next one. We'll wait on the next. Yeah, hint. we're gonna wait till the next one. All right, the next clue is when we'll try to figure it out. If not, then Patrick usually makes it really easy for us. Kind of slaps us in the face with it uh, in the four o'clock hour if we can't get it in the next uh, selection. All right, so that's coming up. The midweek movie music. Um, we have. Somewhat silence the spec sex line we for have, now. We have, for but now. please keep sending texts because we're just trying to make sure we don't spoil midweek movie music. All I right, like Joe, uh, let's get to this story because it broke not too long ago. I heard our very proud Aggie uh, Chad Hastings talking about this a little bit. Um, he had a man Chip Brown. You know Chip Brown very well. Worked mm-hmm. with him for years. My man Chip Brown does a great job over there. Horns twenty four seven. He was on with Chad Hastings, and they talked about this a little bit. Uh, but it's being reported. Chris Lowe of ESPN, he's tweeting that Jimbo Fisher is finalizing a deal for one Bobby Petrino to take over the play calling duties and become the OC of the Texas A&M Fighting Aggies. That's right. He's reporting that uh, Petrino taking the uh, reports of Petrino taking the UNLV offensive coordinator job on Barry Odom's staff began to surface back in mid December. Uh, he was on the job about three weeks and and now looks to head back uh, to his old stomping grounds in the SEC. Um, nobody's ever doubted Bobby Petrino is a damn good coach. Uh, but he is, what's the best way to say this, kind of a, a scallywag. Oh, that's one simple way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> he's got some uh, Yeah, he's, he's got, got some, some shady, baggage. He's got some shady tendencies. Yeah. Uh, most uh, notably, I don't even know if it's most notably, infamously, he did leave the Atlanta Falcons after the Michael Vick uh, controversy uh, hit, and he told the owner, Arthur Blank, that he would stay with the Falcons, uh, but broke that promise and resigned. Uh, I believe via phone call and informed the team that he was leaving via a, I believe it was a laminated uh, four to five sentence note <laughs> yeah. that he left the did team. He, did he leave it in everybody's locker? I think it too. was. It was a yeah. laminated l- letter uh, to all the players. So a uh, classy move there by Bobby Petrino leaving basically uh, overnight. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, at Arkansas, where he did a good job, uh, I think, as a football coach. Uh, famously had the affair um, yeah. with a member of his staff. I believe it was like a five-month affair. Um, she was given preferential treatment to even get the job because of her status with Bobby Petrino. And Bobby Petrino at the time was married, and she actually was married or engaged to a member of the like the strength and conditioning staff at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. 
It, and I, I want to say they still got married. I don't know if they're still married, but I want to say they still got married after that. I'm not. It was like Jessica. I love you. Yeah, it was. No, it was, it, like, yeah, Remember, know. he was on the back. She was on the back of the motorcycle with him. That's how they all went down. Yeah, that's yeah. how they got they had, caught. They had a crash or yeah. something, or at least allegedly that was a crash. Allegedly, some people right, claim that with that neck brace and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was like, I'm, oh lucky, my God. I'm lucky to be alive right yeah. now. By the way, I was cheating, but I'm lucky to be alive. <laughs> yeah, other, uh, if not for the alleged crash or whatever happened there, um, nobody really finds out about it for a while anyway. Um, so, yeah. so let me ask you this, because anyway. Billy Lucci came out with the story as well. So when Billy mm-hmm. Lucci gets it for his little text ags, you know that it's really legit because I actually I believe that he works. For the university, so that when the story starts coming out, because he put breaking, and that was two hours ago. So let me ask you this. When you start looking at Bobby Petrino and the Jimbo Fisher dynamic, these are two very stubborn in their ways, offensive-minded guys. Mm -hmm. Bobby Petrino, former head coach, you just went through the, 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 the background of him. Him being able to come into Texas A&M and deliver the offensive goods, so to speak, for them. Do you think this is going to be one of those combustible situations, or do you think this is going to be something that they're both going to have this understanding of, this is what I like, this is what I like to do? Because we've seen Jimbo Fisher's play chart. I mean, mm-hmm. goodness gracious. Yeah. That looks like Waffle House. Yeah, it's crazy. I yeah. mean, it's too much. <laughs> yeah, You start looking at it, and you're trying to figure everything out. So when you do see it, what do you, how do you think this mesh is going to happen? Uh, I think, be, well, it depends on how desperate Jimbo Fisher is. Be, because of the contract and how the guaranteed contract right. that he has, there's some people that they don't believe that he has enough pressure on them. Correct. Right? To, That's fair. To try to you know, perform at his That's best. That's a lot of buyout. Yes. He's got, he's got a lot of security, not necessarily yep. any pressure. Um, I do think if he lets Bobby Petrino just run the offense – um, and Bobby Petrino is desperate. He's desperate to, you know, reinvent himself and to, you know, he wants to, you know, kind of reinvent his career. Correct. Um, and he wants to, you know, obviously. Because he was become, at UNLV, I believe. He right? was at UNLV as yeah, the yeah. OC. Yeah, but, yeah. And I, I think he probably aspires to be a head coach again at one point. Um, so he wants to, you know, resuscitate his career. And I think that this is a great place to do it. Everybody knows that offense. Remember, I said this earlier. You go to A&M and you turn around that offense Everybody's going to call you a genius. Exactly. And you know there's talent there to do it. Now, a lot of it's leaving. I want to say the Aggies have uh, 27 I think players. they got one of the most in the I transfer I believe it's the most in the, yep. it's one, yeah, the, one of the highest numbers in the country yep. from what I've seen from on three. They have 20. This is from on three, so don't get mad at me, Aggies, yep. if I'm wrong. And you see, saw some other number. But on three claims they've had, tw- they got 27 transfer outs, which is the most the numbers they have tracked. Florida second with 22 and Arkansas second, ironically, uh, with 22 as well. But honestly, I think it could work. I, I'm a, Bobby Petrino, say what you want about him as a human being. Like I said, he's kind of a, a scallywag and just <laughs> <laughs> a despicable, uh, <laughs> you know, like despicable like nature. Well, they, they, used to, they used to call Aaron Burr the despicable Aaron the, the, Burr. The, the, the despicable That's what one. I feel about yeah. Bobby Petrino. You know, Bobby Petrino, the scallywag. But he, he, he turns around football programs. He's a, he's a ball coach. Everybody knows he's a damn good ball coach, and everywhere he's gone, the offenses have gotten better. And honestly, as a head coach, even the programs have gotten better. I don't know if the culture really has improved, um, or him as a human being. You can judge him on that, but you can tell. I think, but I think Jimbo Fisher is somewhat desperate because he's you know hiring a controversial figure to a certain extent. 
And that shows a little desperation. I think desperation is exactly what the Aggies need right now. Everybody over there should be feeling desperate. They got 30, bro. Well, as I said, they got this is old. 30. I mean, I'm yeah. just, I just looked at it right is, now. I'm just trying a, to count it up real quick. This is a day old, so it could, they could have got three more. Yeah, they, yeah, because <laughs> they had a dude who just entered the transfer portal yesterday, too. So, uh, or today, excuse me. Anthony Lucas, defensive okay. lineman, has now entered the transfer portal. Yeah. But yeah, I Most mean, in the country. and I sit here and I look at what Texas A&M has the capability of doing. You still have, because I've been looking, the one name that I continue to look for is uh, Evan. Evan Stewart, Stewart, and his name is not in there. So you do have some weapon. Obviously, Connor, Wegman, everybody loves him at the quarterback position. People at A&M have been mad at Jimbo Fisher because when he got in there and played, everybody was like, why would you have this kid on the bench when you had an opportunity to win some ball games? What are you waiting on? Now that you got your hand forced, he goes out and plays, and he plays well for you. So there's, there's that what if, what if. But I continue to look at this A&M situation, and I love what you said about there's no pressure on Jimbo Fisher. There's not really, really not because, yeah. okay, you want to get rid of me, you still owe me a ton of money. Me my money. Give me all my bread, and I'll go <laughs> chill out a bit. Yeah. Me and Ed Orgeron go, go hang out somewhere. That's what's up. I mean, there's an opportunity there, but I know that the uh, Aggie fan base are proud people, and they want to see this thing turn around, especially when you start looking around and saying, that we were so close last year. We've had these opportunities. We beat this team. We beat that team. And then this year we come out and we're five and seven and not even going to the bowl. We are now the bottom feeder of the SEC when we were competing at for the last couple years at the top. Do you think that Jimbo Fisher is also realizing too that sometimes my ways need to be adjusted I because so. he was fighting? Remember back in the day he was always arguing with Bobby. Uh, um, Bobby Bowden, when he was the head coach, he was always arguing with him because he was like, let me call my offense. And Bobby was trying to – I mean, yeah, he was sh- shutting yeah, him down. at the time, his offense was cutting edge, and it was Never a very adjusted. progressive offense. Yep. Now – but 20 years later, his offense is antiquated. It's outdated. Yeah. All right. His offense, I don't think really is a, I don't think it's attractive enough for him to keep recruiting really high end offensive Fair. players at a high level. Cause that, that's part of it too. That's why, that's why Sark is able to attract a lot of great offensive uh, players in recruiting. I, I mean, no, his offense is, is aesthetically pleasing, it's attractive. Yeah. It's it's a sexy offense to watch. Now, when Stevens called in the plays, as opposed to Sark, it ain't so sexy. But oftentimes, it's a it's a real sexy offense, and I think it's considered fun, and players want to play in it. The concern is that not only is the Aggie offense so stale that it's holding back uh, the Aggies, and it's uh, basically it's keeping them from maximizing and developing all that talent they're bringing in, but ultimately. People will continue to watch it and go, man, that is not a fun offense to watch. Right. And it definitely ain't going to be fun for me to play in. I don't want to play in that offense. And then it'll hurt more long-term recruiting. It ain't doing that right now. Um, but that is the concern. And I think it is a valid one. I would, I, I, think they, I think it was a good move by Jimbo Fisher. I'm with you. Now it's about his pride. Is he going to let Bobby Petrino call the plays? Yep. Uh, is he going to be trying to micromanage Bobby Petrino? If that's going to be the case. You might have some issues early on until they establish boundaries and establish, you know, their roles and and what and what kind of, you know, what kind of input Jimbo Fisher is going to have and how much input he's going to have and that kind of stuff. And Jimbo Fisher doesn't seem to be the guy that you would go to for the car wash, like oh, all but- the coaches that have gone with 
Nick Saban. They went under the gun, yeah. so to but, speak. But, right? but he is hiring um, kind of uh, – and sorry, Patrick, gotta, yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick. he is hiring like um, controversial people because DJ Durkin is his D.C. Oh, for sure. So there you see I remember it. that uh, one. But so. Bobby Petrino won't be there in two years, three years. Like Bobby Petrino don't stay anywhere that long. I agree. The right. longest coaching job he's ever had was Louisville. And that's four years. Yeah. And that's he's been coaching since the eighties. And didn't he and go the longest back gig to he's ever had was four too. years? And he's had success, but he's had he success, does. but he leaves everywhere yeah. because he gets another job and someone pays him more money. Oh, he's doing dust too much he dirt goes, somewhere. He's he's like, like, say, <laughs> he had to get up out of town for some other reason. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, he goes to the Falcons and loses, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the then and then writes a note that says, "I'm family, but I can't talk to you face to face." So you know, it's like, look, if they turn the offense around. Then he's gone in a year because he'll go get another job and make more money. Totally agree. Or if he does bad, Jimbo Fisher throws him under the bus to try and keep his own job, and they get him out anyway. So it's like he's there for two years, probably max. I agree with this. But does that? Do you think if you look at that? I mean, that's not being sold to the parents. But if you're recruiting now and you're an offensive talent, are you like, look, the transfer portal's there. I'll go in there, and if, if if I don't like it, I'm out anyway. I'll, I'll get take my that first check. <laughs> I'll get that nil deal they promised me. I'll get that. <laughs> that I can get out of there. Well, obviously, there's some of that going on. Could have you know the 30 transfer, but honestly, I think the attrition rates all over the country are going to be oh, sky yeah. high just because of the transfer portal and because you have the one-time transfer waiver now where we can transfer without penalty. Uh, but I like the hire Aggies. I like the hire uh, from a football standpoint. If you're trying to get into some moral discussion about ethics and stuff, that's a different discussion. But from a football standpoint, it's a damn good hire. It really is. Um, and I think for Jimbo, Jimbo didn't want to go, uh, you know, completely uh, with a, a kind of a new age spread. I think he still wanted some pro style elements to his uh, new spread that he knew he was going to have to run. Um, and that's what Bobby Petrino brings to the table. He, he really yeah. is, it's basically a pro style spread uh, or a pro spread, as Matt Rule used to call his offense at Baylor. All right, let's uh, get into There's this. There's a question. lot of talent that's there too. Oh, it's so. a ton of talent. Yeah. I think I, yeah. I think Bobby Petrino. It, the, I don't know statistically what the improvement will be, but right. it'll. I think it'll be a much more improved. And like I said aesthetically pleasing offense to right. watch for the fans. Uh, brings me to the question, because we've had this conversation one way or another about Texas, actually, right. Right. Um, the uh, actually, last few years, even uh, before Sark got yeah. here. Um, does, does Sark need to consider? I mean, he says he considers everything in terms of his uh, self-evaluation in the offseason. I'm glad he does. That man-in-the-mirror moment is important. And by the way, I think he had a successful man-in-the-mirror moment uh, in the offseason last year because there are a lot of things that improved, um, but still a lot of things for him to improve to become – Go from being an above-average head coach to being a good to a great head coach, which is where I think we all hope Sark is going, and that's the direction that he's headed. Does he need to think about hiring an offensive coordinator and a play caller for him to reach his 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 zenith and to reach his uh, potential as a head coach? Even though Let's, I know his offense, I know it's his offense and everything like that. But we've seen this happen all around the country, whether it be Elaine Kiffin or whether you're talking about a Mike Gundy. We've seen these transformations, and there's nothing wrong with either way. There's two plenty of ways to skin a cat. You can call your plays and be a head coach, but it's a much tougher job. We all agree, right? You know the micro and the macro, right? And so, how are we looking at this? We can look at his overall record as a head coach. It's not that aesthetically pleasing as we've been talking mm-hmm. about. We can look at his time here at the University of Texas. He's 13 and 12. What are some of the things that he's failed at? Game management, right? Not necessarily the play calling, but overall watching the game mm-hmm. and, and where is he focused. I've not one time, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, and, and we're not looking at the Specs text line, but let me know this as well. 
Have we ever seen him on the sideline when the defense has the ball? The only time the camera ever pans to him is when the offense has the ball. The the defense got better. I, I will agree with that. The there were some things that that have that still need to be cleaned up. We all know that. But on the offensive side of the ball, does he need another set of eyes that are going to be there, or even a a, a play caller? Because everybody was on the sideline this year. Yep. There was PK nobody up down. there. Oh, yeah, that, that, that coach is up there. There was only two that yeah. was listed on the on the yeah. on the pa- paperwork. Got, AJ yeah. Milwee. Yeah, and I think AJ Milwee is somebody that I believe should be on the sideline. Yeah. I think Blake so Gideon's he can talk up there to, and too. Blake Gideon's Not up mistaken. at the top. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah. So there's so many people there that they're not able to see from the top to relay the messages on what they're seeing. We remember a few years ago, my man Tom Herman was like, "I can't. I don't know how those dudes call plays from from sideline. being there from the sideline. Yeah. I, I have to be up there." We're like, "Huh?" Now we're looking at it and saying, "What can you do to enhance your play calling?" Because there was a lot of things that were being missed. Who's the person that's in your headset telling you, "Hey, man, get the ball to Bijan, put some Bijan on it"? Well, that's not going to be. That's not what the people up there are going to do. They're going to tell you about the scheme of the other team, personnel changes from the other team, and how that may affect. So they're not going to. They don't really make suggestions for Sark. You can have a coach like that. I think Bucky calls it get get a dumbass coach that would be able to say, "Hey, man, you only gave the." Ball to Bijan five times in the first half. You might right. need to change that up. That's not really what they're doing, unless you get like a senior advisor up there as well. Now that's not what Blake Gideon and you know, no, not at all. And, yeah, but that's my point. So it goes back right. to what you're saying. So yes, he needs somebody else that is there that can be the play caller. But that's, that's that's a different. Uh, but you do you think that's the, you want a play caller and an offensive coordinator, or you want somebody up there who I want a play want caller more, and offensive more eyes in the booth. I want a play caller. So you say he does need one. He does need. Okay, one. that's got a question I, that yeah. I'm basically throwing out there. Do you think Sark yes. needs to hire? An offensive coordinator and a play caller. I think because once the script runs dry, he hadn't made adjustments. My, my big issue with Sark is, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, is that I think he does a really bad job of the chess match within the game. And if he can find a coordinator or another play caller that mm-hmm. sees the football world the same way he does, then maybe he can be better at. Uh, coming up with the counter uh, after the uh, defense makes their adjustment to whatever your scheme is or whatever your opening script is. Um, that's when he struggles. And I thought that Gary Patterson would help him with self-scouting and be able to help him come up with creative counters. That's what we and thought I, we were getting. <laughs> maybe, and maybe he did. I mean, he hinted that he would. I'm not sure if he did or not. Um, but it, whether that's an offensive coordinator, I, you know, I still think he wants to call the plays, and I think he believes he loses, loses value as a head coach when he doesn't call the plays and he might be right about that actually um, because he's he hadn't proven he's a good head coach he's proven he'd be an average head coach he's proven to be an exceptional play designer he's proven to be an exceptional offensive coordinator and ex- an offensive mind but he's proven to be actually kind of an above average play caller and a play caller is someone who can call plays off script someone who can call plays and improvise and has a feel for the game and you could argue at times that Sark struggles with his feel for the game trying to win that chess match after you talked about him going have to go off his 20 play script so that would be my concern as to why yeah maybe he needs a coordinator does he need another play caller i'm not sure about play caller he definitely needs another offensive mind in there that's what brendan marion was part of too coming in with the go-go offense um i don't know how many what responsibility he has as the offensive what uh, i think he's the passing game coordinator mm-hmm. or whatever it is 
I don't know exactly what the communication is, but maybe he's a guy that can you know go up in the booth and give him extra eyes too. Yeah. I do think Salk needs some help offensively. I, I think do he too. gets. I think yeah. he gets lost a little bit. Yeah. Right, he gets yeah, caught up in the. He in had the, fourteen it, rushes in the bowl, in the bowl game in, in the TCU game. What did Bijan have? How many rushes? Not enough. Yeah, <laughs> not Whatever enough. Was, I mean, didn't didn't yeah. stick to the game plan. What was it? Sixteen touches? I think he had total. Uh, he had, I, that might have been more. That well, might no, be too only, many. It might be too many because he had zero targets in the game. Right, I believe. Oh uh, yeah, so Remember? it's all rushing they plays. Even, they yeah. didn't even targeted him at yeah. all. Yeah, so, so it's so twelve. Also I the, think. One of the biggest yeah. complaints is like you didn't even target that guy. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, all right, so that's the question for the Specs Text Line. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get into the flex on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful number one. Don't lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for midweek movie music. And uh, the point of it is my man Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack, um, plays those songs for us, and based on those uh, selections, we're supposed to guess exactly what the movie was that inspired midweek movie music. Ooh. I think you're close, Rod. I can tell by the way you went, ooh. This is... Uh Man, that's good. I'm not going to say, I wanted to say Boogie Nights. Nope. Um, is it, oh, man, because is it, is it like. Uh, What's the one with Leonardo the, DiCaprio? Uh, where he was the. Uh, oh, Catch Me Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. Nope. Ah. Um, is it, the, this is going to be kind of weird because the last one. Let me think of. Is it almost famous? We nope. like We've already done almost famous. Yeah, I know. I think we have. Okay. Mm. All we, right. We got. We got one more. We got one, one more. Okay. Um, is it a biopic? Nope. Okay. All right. Yo, y'all are not anywhere close. We're to not even either. in the same. Yeah. Oh we'll see God. the next one. We'll see the next one, and then I'll give you some hints. He always it. gives the us text one. Line, the text lines now got it. They text did line didn't get, get it? on the first one. They got on the second one. Okay. Um. All right. It's interesting. It is interesting. I'm nowhere near it because I think I'm totally lost. All right, midweek movie music. We'll uh, get the text line up after the next clue because usually it's really obvious or we just give up. Um, <laughs> nothing. Uh, nobody, I'm, lean, nobody, I'm, leaning <laughs> t- I'm leaning towards giving up. Right usually now. it's yeah, unless like I said unless Patrick makes it really obvious. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. Um, all right, go check out flxatx.com. Uh, that is the uh, the Flex website, a- a- uh, flxatx.com, and flxatx on all your social media platforms as well. Uh, got a lot of great stuff up there for you. Uh, did tell you uh, yesterday that they have his um, <laughs> the Stone Burger Awards are up there, which are really cool. It's all of his uh, eye reporters in the Flex family. He shows them some love and gives them some recognition. Uh, there's also some uh, local Central Texas hoops information up there. Uh, basketball season up and going uh, here uh, with high school basket, high school hoops and also um, the super sophomore team still up there for you. Um, go check out uh, the super sophomore selections uh, for the Flex team. FLXATX.com. And don't forget there will be some kids participating in the All-American game uh, this weekend, Rob Babers, our own Rob Babers, will be a part of the coaching staff. 
and get a chance to go down there and help a lot of these kids with the combines and, of course, the games. A lot of local flavor will be participating in this game, including my man Ron Babers. Uh, yeah, we'll give you some details about that uh, coming up a little bit later on this week. Um, but let's go to flxatx.com, flxatx, and all your social media platforms. We'll come back. Uh, we got NFL playoff scenarios, NFL news notes, and nuggets on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.